We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am Vince D'Addario. I'm the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, the recruiting guru. That's right, Brian Driscoll. He's the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And it is, uh, well, I guess it used to be the most wonderful time of the year. It used to be recruiting yeah. signing day. And yeah. luster has fallen, my friend, on what today Incredibly is. Incredibly anticlimactic from an excitement standpoint. <laughs> it but really is. I remember. It's still a big day. Quick story time. Story time with Uncle Vince here. Uh, I remember uh, I was teaching and when we didn't know what Manti Teo was going to do. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the middle of my lecture, my social studies lecture, I, I kept going back to my computer and going back to whatever message board that I was looking at at the time. Uh, and I remember getting super excited when he committed to Notre Dame right. on National Signing Day. And there's a million stories just like that. I used um, to get nothing done on Signing Day. Yeah, no and doubt. back in the day before the websites, I mean, I'd probably spend a month's salary on calling Tom Lemming <laughs> to try to find out the latest. <laughs> I remember when Notre Dame was was uh, trying to get most of all, and, and I remembered calling that. And just, yeah, I uh, man, it's it. Signing Day used to be a – a big deal and it is now it's just now it's in december yes you know i mean that's really what it's it's the early signing period has turned into the signing period and i'll be honest i was a little surprised that it was as as busy in december as it was i thought a lot of kids would have pushed things back to maybe see if there's a chance they could take some visits and and it never happened so but it was good for notre dame they signed uh you know 26 guys 12 defensive players 
it's a it's a talented group, and then we're going to get a chance to kind of talk about it and really yeah. dive into mm-hmm. it. Now that it's official, you know, guys have officially signed. A chunk of these guys started <clears throat> showed up on campus yesterday. You yeah. know, they're going to be on yeah. in spring. This is the biggest early enrollee class Notre Dame is going to have. I think there's 14 early enrollees. Uh, so it's um this which class is, is going to make an early impact in Notre which, Dame. which is a crazy uh ascension in the uh, to the early enrollee thing because when charlie weiss came there were no early enrollees he had to fight he to was let able him to get, get three a couple it was yeah three it was like three uh, and then eventually grew to five and now it's just like whatever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like whatever now they're doing it in girls basketball Mo- yeah <laughs> most was and that's even crazier because she actually enrolled while she still should have been playing her high school yeah. season that's right um, her season but, got pushed back and right. her teammates did so she came well, anyway so in yeah, that instance, it made a lot of sense. It, it's crossing sports now. So, uh, so yeah. So, this podcast, Brian, uh, this version, we're going to talk about the defensive side of the football and what the recruiting class looks like. And we're going to break it down position by position. We're going to talk about the guys. Uh, but first, I want to get your overall impression, not on the class as a whole, but on the defensive class. Uh, what are your thoughts on the 2021 defensive uh, recruiting class for Notre Dame? Well, there's two ways to look at it, and one is to look at it from a recruiting ranking standpoint. And if your focus is on recruiting rankings, you're not going to love this class. You know, there's two highly ranked guys, uh, Prince Colley at linebacker and Gabriel Rubio, and the rest of the guys are are really not top 200 guys. They're they're lower ranked guys, some three stars and things like that. And and in that regards, if if you're someone who obsesses over that, then you're not going to love this defensive class. If you're someone like me that doesn't care about what rivals or 24 seven sports with all due respect think about it uh, it's a class that you're going to be excited about because it's it's what it's the kind of class we've seen Notre Dame have a lot of success with lately which is there's a lot of long athletic talented players that are going to need time to develop and we've seen Notre Dame's had great success with those kind of guys sure. I mean Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa just became a unanimous All-American <clears throat> He didn't play a defensive snap of football until his redshirt sophomore season. Yeah. Third year on campus, didn't play a snap of defensive football. It took him a little bit of time. Adi Ogandiji barely played his first two years. Now he's about to get drafted potentially on day two. Yeah. <clears throat> he was a the guy they flipped from Western Michigan. He was a three-star recruit. Seven of Notre Dame's 11 starters this year on defense were three-star recruits. And I think we can all agree that the <clears> – <throat> The defense is what carried Notre Dame this year. And so yep. uh, they have a plan. They've stuck to it. I think there's been some misses the last couple of years. But this class, to me, for the most part, helped overcome some of the bigger misses that they've had in recent years. It's a balanced class. It's a deep class. It's a high upside class. But mm-hmm. it's also a low floor class. And that has to be pointed out, too. When, and what that means is so there's two ways to look at a recruit. One is through his floor. And I think what the recruiting services tend to do is they tend to focus more on the floor. What guys are now. Right. Right. And, and those, that's where you get a lot of the five stars or guys that are just bigger and stronger than everybody else. And, and those, those, they don't look as much into projection. The ceiling is where I think coaches tend to focus more. At least the coaches that win tend to focus more on is what can this guy's ceiling be? If we are able to develop him and do A, B, C, and D, what kind of player will he will be? That's tend to be Notre Dame's focus is what we think a guy can be with with our coaching, with our strength and conditioning program, things sure. like that. In in the floor standpoint, this is a class that there's some concern about this class. You know, we'll, we'll get into specific positions, but 
a low floor class, you tend to have more misses from low floor players because there's just more room for them to have to develop to even be able to contribute, much less become stars. It's just a longer road for them to have to travel. The good thing is, is that Notre Dame brought in a lot of depth of those kind of players. So sure. there's three low floor, high upside defensive ends, not just one. You know, there's there's four cornerbacks, not right. two. And so I think that was a big part of it. Of, of why it was important that they landed depth as well as, you know, obviously specific players. And I think that added to it. So could this defensive class end up not making the impact that I think it's capable of? Sure. And that's the nature of having the sort of low floor, high upside players. However, if even 75% of this class pans out, Vince, this is going to be a very good defensive class. Yeah. Uh, and they, they got good players at the positions that they needed to get good players. And so overall, I gave this class – and I gave it a B plus is really where I put it overall. You know, I think it was it was a good defensive line class, defensive end class. Uh, they got one of the best defensive tackles in the country. They got one of the best linebackers in the country. Um, Sports Illustrated, SI All American ranked the secondary class as the fourth best, third or fourth best in the country. Uh, and you know, they they to me had one of the four or five best corner classes in the entire country. And they got two really good safeties. So they they hit all the notes that they needed to hit. I think right. they came up one linebacker short of meeting every single need. And in that regards, and they met the need with good football players. So in that regards, I think this is a, a strong recruiting class that has a chance to be even better. So, Brian, let, let's jump into uh, the position groups. And, and we'll talk about the guys more individually uh, within those groups, uh, I want to start with the defensive line. We'll start with with the big boys. Uh, obviously, the the star of this group is Gabriel Rubio. You mentioned him already, uh, but what does the rest of this class bring to the table at the defensive line? Where do you see them? Are they, you know you mentioned that they're uh, high ceiling kids. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and Gabriel Rubio again is the star. Uh, mm -hmm. So maybe start with him, and then kind of work your way through the class and and. Uh, and let us know what you get, what you think of this group. So my grading scale basically is A, B, C, D, and F, essentially. <clears throat> and A is elite. I mean, top five. This is this is as good as it gets. B is outstanding. It's a top fifteen caliber class. C is you know it's good. It's a top twenty five at that position type of group. And then obviously D and F is we only talk about because there were no D's and F's in this uh, in this class. Uh, the the defensive line I gave a B minus. You know, again, it's a it's a it's a top fifteen group right now. It is sort of at the bottom of that top fifteen, and the reason for that is is kind of what we were talking about earlier. This position more than any other has is filled with low floor, high upside players. Right, and you know, you look at it starts with Gabriel Rubio. Now he is the opposite of that. Gabriel is a high floor, high ceiling guy. High floor meaning that you know his dad was an NFL player. He's very he's very technically advanced. Uh, he knows how to play the game. He's big. He's strong. Great motor. Uh, you know, he's a kid. This this will kind of tell you what you need to know about Gabriel Rubio. He showed up at Notre Dame's camp two years ago. Already had an offer. He knew he was going to commit at the camp. Right, that had already been decided. We knew that. Everybody knew that. He comes to the camp, and he competes in every single drill. He goes to the entire camp. He played like he was trying to earn a scholarship. Like seriously, this is yeah. a highly ranked top one hundred caliber kid that played at that camp like he was trying to earn a Notre Dame scholarship. He'd already had one. He was going to commit. They already knew he was going to commit. It was all set up. Yeah. And that, I think, tells you everything you need to know about Gabriel Rubio. It would be so easy for a kid like that. He goes to a really pri a good private school. His dad's a former NFL player. He already had a Notre Dame offer. Right. He was already highly ranked. He had no reason to come to that camp and compete. And yet, not only did he come and compete, he balled. 
I mean, he was the best guy there, and there was a, there was other D1 guys there. And I think that's what you see from Gabriel Rubio. He plays hungry. He doesn't have to, but he plays hungry. He's mean. He plays mean. He's a great kid off the field, like really nice kid off the field. But on the field, there's a switch that goes on, and he's mean. He's a bully, uh, <laughs> and I mean those in good ways. Uh, strong kid, very powerful hands, advanced technique, really good vertical speed. You know, he's not a real great sideline to sideline speed kind of guy, uh, but vertical speed is very good. He's disruptive. He had some. He had, his numbers as a as a junior in high school were something. It, he had over 100 tackles, over 40 tackles for loss, and like 17 sacks. Just absurd, absurd wow. numbers. Yeah. His senior season was cut short. Missouri didn't play a full season. And then he had he had a, just a couple little dings here that kept him out of a couple games. But uh, just a really talented player. He's one of the few players in this defensive class that you're like, yeah, he'll have a chance to play right away. It'll be hard for him to, to play right away because it's a loaded defense. I was going to say, it, and it's more of the depth chart situation right. as opposed but to him being any good. Knowing Gabriel and the fact that he's an early enrollee, it's going yeah. to be hard to keep him off the field because yeah. he is, he is, he's got, he's 6'5", he's 290, he's a, he's a quality athlete and he's hungry, you know, yeah. and that's the thing is he's going to be hard to keep off the field some way, somehow. And so, and he's not a five-year player most likely. So there's no reason not to at least get him some snaps each week, you know, find a, find a role for him and, and allow him to just continue to develop as a player. Well, let's let's talk Jason Onye. He's a, a defensive end out of Rhode Island, I do believe. Mm -hmm. Now, this is one of my favorite kids in the class. So mm -hmm. he ranks for me is he ranks sixth in this defensive class overall. But when you look at the upside grade, and I have a breakdown at I I have an article at IrishBreakdown.com today where I go through and I kind of rank the players and he ranks sixth overall in the class. But then at the bottom, I have an upside ranking, which is basically just if everybody pans out, here's where they rank. And he's fourth. Okay. Uh, because he is a very intriguing player. He's listed at six, five But according to the source that I have, he's already up to two sixty. He's a big, big, strong, long kid. Here's the interesting thing. He went to Bishop Hendrick in, in uh, Rhode Island to play basketball. Okay. He didn't start playing football till his sophomore year. So he's only played two years of football because Rhode Island didn't have football this year. In his second year of football, despite really not knowing how to play the game, he had 17 sacks. Like, this is a talented kid, big, strong, physical kid. And he's one of the kids in the class, Vince, that when you look at him, you say, you have to be able to watch. You can't just watch his highlights. You have to watch mm -hmm. everything you can because – there's a lot of snaps that you, you're going to look at and say, boy, that, that wasn't overly impressive. But you have to remember, this is a kid that just now is starting to play football. You have to find those snaps where like he does it the way you're supposed to do it. And when he keeps his pads low and comes off with good leverage, he explodes off the ball. He's got incredibly long arms. He's actually well coached considering his lack of his lack of experience. So I think he's a coachable kid, but you you there's kids never played football before. There's only so much you can teach him in two years, you know? Right. But uh he, he has a tremendous ceiling. He's a power end. You know, he's gonna be 260, 275. He's a power end. Um he, you know, he's he's got you know Khalid Kareem and and uh and uh Adi Adi Takumba Ogandiji have had two of the longest wingspans that, that we've seen at the combines and the senior bowls the last two years. Jason Onye is going to be just like that, incredibly wide uh, wingspan. And he's everything that Mike Elston loves. I mean, that's just the kind of guy Mike Elston loves. Raw, you know, big ball of clay, but a very talented ball of clay. And if the light goes on, he's got a chance to someday down the road. He's probably not a guy that's going to help you in 2021. 
but 2022, 2023, we might start seeing him, and he's a guy that's got a chance to, to, to be a really impactful player. The other thing, too, about him, Vince, is I actually think he's one of the players that's going to benefit from Marcus Freeman coming in. And what I mean by that is he's kind of got that body where if he is that 275 that I think he can get to, he's a guy that can play that power end spot, but then easily shift inside and become a disruptive three technique when they go to their 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 uh, four man looks. You know, so if they're in a base three down, he's a power end. But if they want to go third down, if they want to kind of do some different looks where they're in their three three five stack look and they want to walk one of the linebackers up, he can slide inside. And he's big and powerful enough to, to play over the guard occasionally. Not something you want to do all the time. But I think this defense is going to better accent his talent uh, and his ability to be a disruptive football player. So uh, let, let's talk about Will Schweitzer. He's uh, out of California, I, I do believe, mm-hmm. uh, out of uh, Los Gatos High School. Uh, originally committed to Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And Notre Dame was able to flip him. Uh, talk about him and, and maybe some of your concerns about him. Yeah, so they flipped two defensive linemen, which kind of happened because they had a commitment from David Abiara, who today on signing day committed to Texas, but they moved on from him uh, for a lot of different reasons, and they were right to do so. And Will Schweitzer was one of the guys they went after and were able to flip right away. This is an interesting player. He's 6'4". He was about 200 pounds in high school, didn't get a chance to play his senior year. But this is a kid you you fall in love with as a recruit because – he plays just as much off-ball linebacker as he does coming off the edge. He's very rangy. He's athletic. Plays some tight end and, on offense. Covers. You know, I mean, he's a he's a defensive end project or pro, prospect, but he can cover. He runs. He's a very athletic player. Great burst off the edge. You know, Vince. He's kind of got that skill set as a pass rusher that you know some guys just have that natural instinct to kind of dip and rip through or get under the pads of a pass rush or a pass blocker, and he shows that on film. He just has to fill out. He's like 200 pounds, 200, you know, 210 to 215 pounds maybe is what he's gotten up to, but he's still a skinny kid. But he's got so much athleticism. He's got so much length. The question is, is how much weight can he put on and still maintain that athleticism? And that's where we get into that low floor, high ceiling thing. The, low, the floor is low because some guys at his size, when they get up to 250, they lose some of that burst and some of that explosiveness. If he is one of those guys, and that's then then he's not going to be the recruit that I think he can be. However, if he can put on, get up to two forty plus, get up to two forty two fifty, maintain his explosiveness, become more powerful, then he's got a chance to be a really good football player. And you know he's a he's a perfect example of what Mike Elson loves to go out and recruit, which is that you know not that high upside or that high ceiling or high floor, highly ranked guy that's going to come in with some attitude. It's these raw, under overlooked, athletic, long guys that that maybe people don't know as much about, and they've made a killing with guys like that. And Will Schweitzer's just like that. He, he to me, Vince is a guy that that is perfect for that drop end position that Notre Dame used to have that they used to use. I my only question about him at this point in time beyond the weight is, what role will he have in the new defense? And if they are going to look for a flexible, if they want to have more flexibility where they kind of go down with four down personnel, but have that drop end guy be athletic enough to play off the ball, to play in the slot, then Will Schweitzer's perfect for that. You know, he would be great at that. And then you can easily just then put his, you know, hand in the ground and have him come off the edge. So depending on what Marcus Freeman does with his defense, I think Schweitzer's another guy that could end up being better in this defense than even more so than he would have been the previous defense. 
but again, it's just we have to wait and see what Marcus Freeman does. But either way, this is a talented, athletic kid that's got a very high ceiling and has a chance in time. He's going to need he's going to need at least right. a year, potentially two, just to get up to the size that you're going to need to play this level. But there's a lot of talent, and they don't need him to play earlier. They've got Foskey, they've got Jordan Patelho, they've got plenty of guys that can play that position. These next couple of years, they don't necessarily need him to, to be able to play right away. Another kid out of California, uh, Oxnard Pacifica. Uh, another guy they flipped, as you had mentioned, from UCLA. And I'm going to mess this up. I think it's Devin Uipui. Yeah, I, yeah I've, heard it, I've heard it said different ways. I've heard it said Uipau is what I've also okay. heard it said that I like way. that better. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has a better ring to it. Yeah. Um, Another flip candidate, another guy that got late in the process, talented player. I, he, to me, is is a little bit more projection even than Schweitzer because with Schweitzer, the athleticism is there. The playmaking is there. It's just can he fill out the frame? Like He doesn't need to really develop his game beyond what a normal high school kid needs to develop his game moving forward. With with Devin, it's, there's more projection there. You know, there's more work needed. Yeah. Um, he doesn't always come off the line with the same burst. You have to kind of search for those clips where he he has that burst. But what he does have is again, it's it's what Mike Elson loves. He's long and he's rangy and he's got some punch in his hands. You know, his his frame is such that he's 225 now. So he's kind of got the body of a drop end, a weak side end kind of guy. But when I look at him though, Vince, you can see this in photos, you see it on film. He's really long. He's got big feet, big hands. He looks like a guy that, to me, is going to hit a growth spurt again here in college and blow up and become a guy that you're going to end up moving to strong I'll side. That. I'll take that. So that's kind of how I see it. But, it's again, there's a lot more projection with Devin. Uh, that's why his upside is a little lower on my board than some of the other ends. He's the guy that I have as the lowest rank from an upside standpoint just because I'm less certain that he's going to be able to fully tap into everything he has. But – you know, big, powerful hands, long arms, good athlete, not a necessarily overly explosive athlete, but he's got, you know, good flexibility, good range, uh, good closing speed. Uh, he just has to really improve that initial step. And part of that is because I think a technique thing uh, comes off high. You know, he lifts up instead of getting vertical, doesn't keep his pads low, but he, it, it's not a, it's not a, He's not. He doesn't play high because he lacks the athleticism to bend. He just plays high because he has technique that needs to be improved. He's another guy too that missed out on a chance to make the improvements to be a senior. And that's the thing you you all have to consider as we're breaking this film down is, and we're breaking these kids down is. There's a lot of kids in this class that had their senior seasons canceled. So the normal projection we might have seen from right. some of these guys as seniors, we didn't get a chance to see. Point. And that's usually where a lot of these kids make their big jumps. I mean, most kids make pretty good jumps from their junior to senior year. And there's a lot of kids in this class that didn't get a chance to do that because there's a lot of these kids in the class that are either from the Northeast or they're from the West Coast. And so a lot of those states just didn't have football this year. So we just got done talking about four Notre Dame defensive ends and only one of them or defensive linemen and only one of them got to play a senior year. So yeah. I think that's something else that that excites me about this group is all the film we're watching these ends is all junior film. Yeah, right. Right. You know, and, and so what would we be saying about this class if we got a chance to see their maturity as seniors? Yeah. We'd be I, even more excited about look, it. I I've coached high school football for 15 years. The the difference between juniors and seniors, even from a physical standpoint, uh, is immense. And, and you're yeah. talking from a mental maturity standpoint, uh, knowledge of the game, you know, all mm -hmm. these different things. 
just escalates from junior to senior right. year. So yeah, you're right. Not having a senior year film is definitely uh, hurts these guys, at least from a, an evaluation standpoint. Now they were mm-hmm. doing stuff off to the side, but we weren't there. We, right. we don't, we didn't see but what they, they weren't were. at camps. I mean, exactly. a lot of that stuff was shut down. So it's not that yep. they haven't been working, but we just haven't, we didn't get a chance to see them play. And so right. that's also something that kind of excites me a little bit about this class. Cause I got to remind myself, Hey, this isn't senior film. This isn't senior film. Right. right? Uh, but that's the, that's the excite part of the exciting thing about this defensive line class, especially is these guys are all players that I needed their senior years to kind of make that statement. But then you also have to ask yourself if they had senior years there, there might've been a lot of work needed by the Notre Dame defensive staff to keep these guys, which then would have led to when Clark Lee left, potentially losing some more of them. Sure. Uh, Because look what happened with Prince Colley. And we'll get to this when we talk about linebacker, but uh, he he was a guy that when Notre Dame signed him, there were n- not many of the big schools were after him. When Notre Dame got a commitment from him, he was a three-star recruit. Knew, nobody really knew about him. Notre Dame kind of I- identified him. And then he goes out as a senior and as a running back, rushes for over 1,900 yards. As mm-hmm. a linebacker, has over 100 tackles, double-digit tackles, lost, and was SIL American, named him a first-team All-American. And again, we'll, we'll dive into him in a minute. I'm trying to make a different point. And all of a sudden, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, LSU, all these schools are trying to flip them. And right. Notre Dame had to hold on to them. They almost lost them after Clark Lee left. Well, there's a lot of guys in this class that Ryan Barnes, uh, Will Schweitzer, Jason Onye, that if they would have gone out and had senior seasons and had the kind of growth that I think they would have had, you'd had a lot more schools maybe trying to work to flip these kids. So I think in some ways it, it, it benefited Notre Dame from a recruiting standpoint, although it did hinder the we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The kid's ability to go out there and just get that, that extra year of seasoning. And a guy like Onye especially really could have benefited from that third season because I think he would have blown up as a senior because uh, as more people got a, a chance to look at him and see like, wow, this kid's a legit 250, six, five long arms, powerful athletic. Cause again, he went there to play basketball. He's a basketball player. So he's got those basketball player feet. And he's a guy, like I said, Vince, that's got a chance to be really special. And that's what I feel about this whole class. It may end up being just kind of an average class and that's the low floor part of it. But if, if it, even two of those ends pan out, Mm-hmm. This is going to be a really, really good defensive line class. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. 
Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. So, Brian, I want to talk about the linebacker position uh, in this class. And it was an important position because Mm -hmm. they needed to get multiple guys based on what they didn't do in the last recruiting class, uh, which was uh, zero uh, (laughs) linebackers. So, yes, that's a miss. That's a miss. That would be the definition of a miss. So they tried it, to spin it too, like, oh, you know, we didn't see anybody we like. Yeah, you did. You off. You had plenty of offers. You just right. got beat. Yeah, exactly. No. So they they needed to at least get two guys in this class. They were able to do that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this class as a whole. What did you like about them? What is your grade? Yeah. So my grade was actually a B minus. Okay. And, which is a low grade when you consider that the number one recruit on my defensive board, right. Prince Collie, is one of the linebackers. And the reason for that is is because. <clears throat> You needed two. You needed at least two linebackers in this class, but I felt you needed two high upside linebackers, and I don't think they got that. I, and I think the other aspect of it is Kahanu Kia, who they got late, the kid from Hawaii, is talking about going on a Mormon mission. So, as of right now, he's going to be gone for two years. So technically, he's more like a 2023 recruit uh, than he yeah. is a 2021 recruit. And even if he does end up coming to Notre Dame first, going on a mission down the road, he's still a guy to me that needs more time okay now i thought about bumping it up to a b because i do think he particularly is going to fit a little bit better into the marcus freeman defense and we'll get into that for in a minute but i think a third linebacker might have been needed especially because again needs change and when you lose jack lamb there's a chance they could lose another linebacker after spring depending on how the depth chart shakes out you know because the guys want to stay and compete but if you know, a guy gets gets to the end of the spring and he's third on the depth chart there's a chance they may lose another guy Part of the reason they bailed on on you know landing a guy last year after they missed their top guys, they didn't try to get anybody else's because they said, well, you know, we signed so many guys in the 2018 and 2019 class. Well, you know, one of those guys is gone. You know, right. some of those guys aren't quite necessarily panning out the way that you thought they would pan out. It, it you, you needed to kind of recover. And so now they've put themselves in a in a really tough spot in the 2022 class that they have to line land at least three linebackers and they have to be up so they have to be talented linebackers right. and guys that can play early. So but the good news is that this class, I mean if you're going to if you're going to come up short on numbers, you better have at least one guy that's a stud and that is Prince Collie. And yeah, I liked him a lot when they when they got a commitment from him, but he got even better as a senior. You know, he is as a junior, he was a good linebacker, but he was one of those guys that was more about just he was athletic. And you could see the range and athleticism, but he wasn't necessarily like an instinctive. He was just a young, tw- a junior. Right? Again, this kind of points to what we talked about with the defensive line, which is the jumps that guys make as seniors. Prince Collie was a three-star player that didn't have a. He had a good offer list, but not a great offer list. They basically beat Louisville for him. Is you know who who they beat him for, and and now he goes out as a senior. He plays running back. He had over a thousand yards as a junior wide receiver moves to running back, rushes for over 1,900 yards and like 30 touchdowns as a running back, has over 100 tackles at linebacker, and he showed far more instincts. He he filled out his frame, his range, his explosiveness. All those things just took huge jumps forward. Next thing you know, SI All-American ranks him as the number 50 player in the country. You know, so this is a wow. this is a guy that made like just a huge, huge jump. And again, he was a consensus three-star recruit 
and he finished his career ranked 50th by SI 99. He was ranked 92nd overall by 247 Sports. So he went from, you know this, Vince, guys in the recruiting business tend to get their, they, they kind of get their opinions about a kid early, and it's hard to get them off of that. Yeah, you know, and exactly. so for him to go from three star to top hundred, now SI ninety nine is a little different because they didn't have him ranked as a junior because SI ninety nine is new. Okay. So the first time they ranked him was really they, but they had him outside the top ninety nine the first time they did the SI ninety nine, and then jumped him up to number fifty overall. To have that kind of jump based on your senior season, no camps, none of that stuff, just senior season, uh, says a lot about how dominant he was and. He's he's got a body that he's a thicker version of Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa body type wise. You know, he's already that 215 that Jeremiah was after four years of the strength program at Notre Dame. Right. He's a guy that athletically can play rover. You know, if there is that still that rover position, he like I said, he was a thousand yard wide receiver as a junior in high school. He understands route running, he understands coverage, he can flip his hips, he can he's got range, he's got length. I personally think, however, his highest upside is moving him inside to sort of a weak side linebacker position. Uh, when we broke down the Cincinnati film, it was that number 27, uh, that, that, that boundary inside linebacker. It was That would be the same as the buck position at Notre Dame that Shane Simon played this year. Uh, that, to me, is really where I could see his highest upside because he is a powerful kid. I mean, you watch him play, Vince. And, you know, linebackers have to have that explosiveness in the lower body. And you look at Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, for example, 215 pounds and skinny. But he could arrive with such force at the football because he has really great lower body explosiveness. Yeah. Prince Collie's the same way. You'll, you'll watch him play on film, Vince, and he'll take three or four steps. That's it. And then just lower the and just explode through a guy, just drive him back. Awesome. Hit that you normally see guys needing like nine, 10 steps of building up to be able to deliver. So that kind of that kind of explosiveness in the lower body is what you want in a linebacker. Mm -hmm. uh, that range, that power. And then you combine his coverage potential, his range, his ability to blitz. He has it all. I mean, the only thing he doesn't have is elite size. He's not 6'3, 230. You know, he's 6'1. You know, he's listed at 6'2". I don't think he's quite 6'2". Maybe he is. But to me, there's no difference between 6'1 and 6'2". Right. It's not a big deal. He's got long arms. He's probably 200 to 210 pounds, you know, but he's a thick 210 pounds, you know. And so he'll be, by the time he gets to the fall, he's going to be as big as Jeremiah Wusu was as a senior in college. Uh, so this is a very, very talented young player. And the linebackers on the current roster are fortunate that he's not an early enrollee. Because if he was an early enrollee, he he'd be very hard to to keep buried on the depth chart. But you know he's the kind of guy that Notre Dame needs to put on their special teams day one in the fall and give him a chance to find a home because he's just too athletic, too talented. I mean, l l let me just give you these numbers, Vince. It's almost right. unfathomable. As a senior in high school, he had a, he had one thousand nine hundred fifty one rushing yards, thirty one rushing touchdowns, one hundred and eleven tackles, seventeen tackles for loss. 17 pass breakups, five interceptions as a linebacker. He's basically everywhere is what you're saying. He's just he's a stud. He he's a football player who happens to be really athletic as opposed yeah. to a really athletic guy that's trying to play football, which we've discussed on our podcast before. He is a football player that is very athletic. Yeah. And he is a guy that I think is going to thrive uh at line and he would have thrived in the Clark Lee defense as well. And he fits just as well into the Marcus Freeman defense.
So, Brian, I want to definitely talk about this next group, uh, the cornerback position, because if I'm not mistaken, they got your highest grade overall on the defensive Mm -hmm. side of the ball as a group. So Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk cornerback. Let's talk about the position as a whole and what grade you gave them. I gave him an A minus, which was my highest grade on the defense. And the only reason it was an A minus, not an A, is because there there is some projection that's going to be needed from this group. I don't know if if there's more than really one guy that you feel great about playing day one. I think that there could be two, yeah. but it's a group that's going to need some time for different reasons. Uh, but an extremely talented group. SI All American ranked it, as I said earlier, uh, a top five cor- secondary class in the in the country. That was before they got Kerry G and at safety and JoJo Johnson at corner. That was just looking at the Justin Walters at safety, and then Ryan Barnes, Philip Riley, and Chance Tucker. So it's a it's a long group. They needed to meet the needs. They needed to me. They actually went one past. They okay. they needed three corners. They got four, <clears throat> and I love the fourth guy they got. Uh, and I'm, I'm one of those guys, Hey, look, if you have room and you can add another talented player, add another talented player. Sure. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, and, and there's an interesting backstory to it as well. But it, what I also like about this class fence, and we'll kind of dive into it as we talk individually as players is there's actually Brian Smith. And I talked about this on a recent podcast and, and a YouTube video, or we didn't have it as a YouTube video. So if you're watching this on YouTube, this will be the first time you heard it. If you are on our podcast, you will probably have heard this before. If you listen to the one we do with Brian is, there's a chance that based on how guys fit that there that you can have all four of these cornerbacks on the field at the same time mm-hmm. because there's such a unique diverse skill set. You know, there's guys that are more fast, athletic cover guys. You know, there's guys that are long and rangy, there's guys that are powerful that could play in the slot. You know, there's there's a scenario in which you could have Ryan Barnes and and Chance Tucker outside with JoJo Johnson in the slot and Philip Riley at safety or you could have you know, Ryan Barnes and, and JoJo at the slot and or outside and Chance Tucker at safety and Philip Riley in the slot. There's just so many different combinations in which you could get these four guys on the field together Crazy. and have four corners that you could do that with is not easy to do. Right. And so it, it's a very talented group. It's a very, very diverse group. You don't have just four cookie cutter corners. Uh, and it's a very long group. And that's the thing I like about it. And and it's a high upside group. Again, it's going to need some work and some projection, which is why I couldn't go all the way to give it a pure A because I feel right. like an A grade should be reserved for like a special, special class. Right. So sure. I don't give those out very often. And as, as much as I love this class, I think I only gave one A grade and that was a quarterback. Uh, you know, so it's, it's hard to do and I just don't give them out much. So an A minus for me is really good. This again, this is a top five ish, top five to eight corner class in the country. And for Notre Dame to do that, is impressive and for Mike Mickens to do that in his first recruiting class without being able to spend a single day on the road recruiting. Yeah, good. Point. Remember, he got hired in February. They weren't going on the road at the time because it was the it was a quiet period. And then also you had getting ready for spring ball. And then Mar- by March, COVID had hit and dead period started. So he was able to sign all four of these kids. Notre Dame did not lead for any of them when he got hired. So he had to he had to land them all. And then he had to do it without being able to go on the road or get them on campus. Right. So I think it speaks volumes about the work that Mike Mickens put in to get this class together. But and it wasn't for its ups and downs. I mean, you lost Philip Riley for a time. He yep. decommitted and went yep. to USC. And then you were able to get him back and uh and and get him back into class and, and everything worked out great. So 
really a lot of work. And I love the fact that they didn't quit recruiting him either. Me too. Like, like that just shows something different. You know, look, it, let's be honest. In the past, when Notre Dame lost a kid, there's been too many times where they just kind of said, oh, okay, well, that stinks. We lost the guy. Right, right. Nickens didn't quit on that. I mean, he just he kept on the kid and and eventually it won him over. And so uh, very, very outstanding class, exactly what they needed at corner. This is a group of guys that in the next year or two, if you're on the current cornerback roster you better be start bringing your a game because these are the kind of kids that are going to start pushing you quickly no that makes a lot of sense uh so let's break down let's break these kids down a little bit uh let, let's start let's start with ryan barnes uh from maryland uh it, he was graded as a three-star of course you graded him as a four-star top 100 caliber type kid uh let, tell me why so I don't know what the recruiting services saw. I, I know Ryan wasn't at a lot of camps, but this is his offer there list. You, I think you just okay. hit it right there. He wasn't right. at a lot of camps, and that's right. what he's got. That's, you know, and he didn't get a chance camp. to play as a senior. That's the sure. other thing. But yeah, let me right. let me tell you his offer list. Okay? okay. Clemson, LSU, Georgia, Florida, Oklahoma, USC, Oregon, Penn State, Florida State, Michigan, Tennessee, and I'm not even halfway through his offer list. Okay. (laughs) Consensus three-star recruits from Maryland don't have that kind of offer list. And I'm not someone who obsesses over offer lists either, but I'm more using that because that in this instance, it supports what I see. I remember when Notre Dame offered Ryan Barnes and I, and I looked at his recruiting ranking and I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. Uh, And then I popped in the film and you're like, yeah, this is not a three. There's nothing three-star about this kid. I mean, this yeah. is an outstanding football player. He's 6'2". He's got incredibly long arms. And, and unlike most 6'2 players, Vince, a lot of 6'2 guys, really long corners, they tend to have a little tighter hips. You know, okay. they just don't transition quite as well, which is why you, know, you look at Richard Sherman in the NFL. As great as he has been, he gets by on being long, press, physical. But, you know, as he's kind of gotten older and – He's always been a little tighter in the hips in most corners. You you can beat him deep if you if you know you can beat him off the line. You can outrun him. And Ryan's not that way. He's got very f- loose hips, which means he can transition well. Transition essentially is when you pedal, your ability to open and run really clean and quick, and then get right to full speed. If you have tight hips, there's going to be sort of a hitch in your giddy up as you open and run, and and that can slow you down a little bit. Even if you don't pedal an Alabama, like Alabama doesn't teach back pedal, but there's still sort of that you have to, at some point in time, you have to open and run. And if you have tighter hips, it's going to be harder for you. Ryan sure. Barnes is really fluid, really smooth. Now, is he a burner? Is he going to go out and run a four, four, one tomorrow? No, but he doesn't have to because he's so long. He's so quick. He's, he's a lot like, like Kyle Hamilton. When Kyle, if Kyle Hamilton ran a 40 tomorrow, a lot of Notre Dame fans would be shocked. Like, wow, I thought he was going to be faster than that because he plays fast because he's so long and fl- so fluid and he can cover so much ground. Instinctual, yeah. Right. And that's how Ryan Barnes is at corner. I mean, to me, this is a top 100 recruit. I mean, he was my number three kid in the class on defense. He is my number three upside guy in his class on defense. And Clemson wanted him bad over some top 100 recruits. That should tell you something. Uh, this is a talented, talented kid that has all the size, all the athleticism, all the, he's got ball skills. He's instinctive. And here's something Notre Dame fans are going to like. He kind of grew up a Notre, Notre Dame fan because his dad's a Notre Dame fan. There's a picture. He sent me a picture one time of him when he was a little kid with his brother on campus at Notre Dame because his dad, they were in town and his dad 
wanted to take him to campus because his dad's a Notre Dame fan. So there was that aspect of it too, which I always find to kind of be kind of cool. You know, like yeah, you don't often hear about kids that grew up playing wanting to play at Notre Dame because most of these kids grew up during an era where Notre Dame wasn't that good. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's not a lot of in-state top players. You know, it's more usually it's you grew up wanting to play for the school that's down the street from your home or your in-state program. And to have a kid like this from Maryland that grew up kind of, you know, liking Notre Dame, now it wasn't a lock to go to Notre Dame because he, he was also smart enough to realize Notre Dame may not be the best place for me. Uh, but when Mike Mickens was hired, it was a, it was a, it was a match made in heaven and he was able to get the job done and he never wavered. Uh, it, it just a really talented kid. He, I actually think he could play as a freshman. I think one thing that hurt him, however, was not being able to play a senior year. And yeah. he's one of those kids that I think had he played as a senior year, Notre Dame might've had to work a little harder to keep him. Makes sense. Makes because sense. There would have been a lot of schools that would have been like, Whoa, we got to go after this kid. So, uh, getting him in the class was important. Um, you know, again, LSU, Clemson, Florida, Georgia, they don't come up to Maryland very often to recruit corners, right? There's plenty of them down there where they're yeah, in SEC country. So, and so yeah, I should right. tell you what they think of them. I think if he can, if he can overcome the lack of a senior year, he's a guy that I could see making a pre a push to play as a freshman. Uh, I think they're going to start him in the boundary and then, and then see where he fits best. Cause he's another guy that I think he's fluid enough. He covers well enough, runs well enough, or he could also play the field spot. So I think he brings some versatility. Some people have mentioned him as a safety just cause he's six, two. I don't think he's a safety. He's a corner. And to me, he's the best pure cover corner that they have in this class. Well, let's talk about the, uh, the flippable Philip Riley. Uh, he, he's from uh, Valrico Bloomingdale, mm -hmm. which is in Florida. And mm -hmm. uh, he was in Notre Dame's class. Then he was in USC's class. Now he's back in Notre Dame's class where he belongs. Mm -hmm. He's actually uh, on Notre Dame's campus now. Exactly. As an early enrollee. There you go. So don't have to worry about him putting on that gross reddish mm -hmm. whatever color that, uh, that USC wears. So, um, so Philip Riley, tell us about him. You're about you feel about USC how I feel about Michigan. Um, <laughs> oh, I feel the same way about Michigan too. Don't worry, yeah. I have I have hatred for many. Uh, I, yeah, another story from Uncle Vince. Uh, yeah. We, yeah, we were doing a radio show last night, and the or I mean a a, ra a game on the radio, and the team that was playing kind of has similar colors to to Michigan. And the guy I was doing the game with uh, said it was maize, and I happened to teach at that school, and I said uh, we don't use that term at that school <laughs> ever. So that's kind of like your version of that school up north, huh? That's correct. Uh, okay. I, we don't. Okay. We don't. It, it's gold. We, it's yellow. Okay. It's gold. It is I'm not maize. That's that. I'm that. with you. That just sounds weird. Um, <laughs> Philip Riley and Ryan Barnes are both early enrollees, which is huge yeah. for Notre Dame. Agreed. Uh, and huge for them. And that's one thing that will benefit Ryan Barnes being an early enrollee, not having played his senior year. One guy that did play his senior year and had a great senior year is Riley. Um, and you know, when he decommitted and flipped to USC and, and we're hoping to, to be able to kind of share that story. We've teased it in the past, but we haven't been able to share it yet. Cause we just want to make sure that, that he's okay with us kind of sharing that story because there was some shady business that USC did to try to get him, uh, to flip and some, some lies that they told him, uh, and wow. over time he just kind of had, it didn't sit well with him. And, and he kind of was able to find out eventually over time that what they had told him wasn't accurate, wasn't true. And, and Mike Mickens stayed on him and was able to get him back into class. And when he decommitted initially, I was surprised because when you think Notre Dame kid, that's exactly, he's like one of the guys you think about, you know, yeah. he's not, 
He's a he's first of all, he's a native of Washington, so I didn't understand the West Coast flavor to sure. USC. He's not originally <laughs> from Florida. He's only played high school ball in Florida for two years. Okay, but he's a very intelligent young man, um, very thoughtful young man. Uh, comes from a strong family background. He just everything you think a note when you think of the stereotypical Notre Dame prospect, he is kind of that um, blue collar. More mm-hmm. than he is a great athlete, you know, tough, physical. He's just a kid that like you say, it. that's a Notre Dame guy. Yep. Uh, and so it, it also didn't surprise me that they got him back in the class. Good. Because I think ultimately he's just that he's that intelligent, thoughtful kid that was always going to end up making the right decision at the end of the day. Uh, but, um, you know, he is a he is a physical Kid. He's one of the strongest cornerbacks I've ever seen. Just physically strong. I mean, Vince, he will take guys and literally just pick them up and slam them onto the ground like huh. he's a wrestler. I mean, it's just it's absurd how physical he is. Now, right. at times he he his technique uh can his lack of elite technique can get him in trouble. Yeah. Uh, but he's also a guy that's had to play against five-star cornerbacks his entire career. I mean, he played against Mario Williams going to Oklahoma, he's played against Jay Hall, who's going to Alabama. I mean, he plays in an area where he's playing receivers week after week that are going to be going to college for free here yeah. soon, you know. And so he and he's always steps up. He had, I think, two kick returns for touchdowns this year. He's a great run defender already. He's physical at the line and he needs a lot of technique work. And so the fact that he is as physical as he is, if you could get Mike Mickens to teach that the the necessary technique, you say, boy, this kid's got a chance to be really good. He's another kid that kind of saw his ranking go up. He ended up uh, being ranked, I believe, in the top 250. Uh, by by uh, two four seven sports, um, you know, ended up being ranked number three. Well, actually, they dropped him out of their top two fifty. He was originally in rivals in two four seven sports top two fifty. Then he flipped back to Notre Dame and dropped out. I'll let you uh, figure out the reasons why for that. Uh, but he's a consensus four star recruit, um, talented kid, uh, physical kid. Just needs work, and that's the thing is I, I'd rather have a kid that that has the tools but needs the technical work. Assuming sure. you have a good cornerbacks coach, and I think Notre Dame had a good corners coach before, and they've got a a, a really darn good cornerback coach now, and and Mike Mickens, and and I think Mike Mickens even more so can relate to college kids because that's who he's always worked with, and so sure. and he understands. I mean, when you're coaching at Bowling Green in Cincinnati, you're not getting five star recruits, you're not getting guys that are just stepping on campus ready to play. You've got to teach kids how to play, and so he has that background helps him, and so you look at a guy like Philip Riley. He's got the he's got the physical skills like size, strength, long arms, uh, power to play immediately. The question for him, as far as how quickly he's going to play, there's two questions about him playing as a freshman. Number one is how quickly can he clean up his technique, right, which is needed, and then number two, where's he going to play? Because one of the things that adds to Philip Val- Riley's value is he literally could play all five positions in the secondary. He could wow. play. I think I, I think those are going to start. I think they're going to start him and him and Barnes at boundary and see who's most comfortable there first, and then move the other guy. Riley to me is a guy that could ultimately be a great fit for that fifth DB, that nickel spot, which they want to be sort of a safety body. Well, the thing about about Riley is he's got a safety body. He's right. as big as every safety they have, except for Kyle Hamilton, who's just longer. Right. He's six foot. He's listed 190 pounds. He's one of the most ripped up kids you're going to see. He's just a physical, like a, just a chiseled, you know, he looks like, I, I wrote in my analysis, he looks like a college senior, not a high school senior. I mean, yeah. physically, he just looks like he's already been through four years of a college weight room program. So he's got that ability to kind of, he's got that safety body, but he can cover like a corner. 
Well, that's a great position in that nickel. So, you know, he could fit there and he could play against teams that like to run and he could play against teams that like to pass. So maybe they move him there. Uh, he could play field corner in certain instances and he could play safety because he's a very strong tackler. Again, technique needs work, but the skills are there for him to be an elite tackler at the next level. So you have a guy that's a, a corner that could start and play a high level at all five secondary positions only adds to his value as a player. And I'm very curious to see how quickly they can find a home for him. And and so from a ranking standpoint, I had I had Barnes as a top 100 recruit. I have Riley as a, a guy that would be in the top 250, probably closer to 150 than 250, but that's kind of where I viewed him as a prospect. So those are two guys that I view as, re- regardless of what the rankings say, that I view as like top, top of the line prospects. And that to me is, is explains to you why that alone would have given them a B plus grade that alone. And the only reason I say B plus is because they would have needed a third guy. Sure. And then, and we still have two more guys to go. I was going to say they got a third and a fourth. Um, and the latest addition to this group was Jojo Johnson out of Maryville, mm-hmm. who's somewhat of a local kid uh, because a lot of the team's, uh, in our area, play against Maryville. So mm-hmm. um, I, I've seen him play, um, played both sides of the ball in high school, obviously. But uh, what are your thoughts on JoJo Johnson? I love JoJo. I, I got a chance to meet JoJo a couple years ago at Notre Dame's camp. He was as okay. a wide receiver then. And I and I wrote at the time, I, he was one of the standouts to me. I wrote about him at the time. I said, I don't think Notre Dame's going to offer him because he, he you know, he's 5'10", 175 pounds. Yeah. You know, just – it's not necessarily the size you want at receiver for what Notre Dame likes to do. Sure. Um, and so I didn't think they're going to offer him. He also isn't a – at the time wasn't a a burner, although he's become much faster in the, in the two years since. But I loved his feet. Absolutely loved his feet. He was a receiver at the time. Didn't really play much DB. Uh, loved his competitiveness. Wanted to, every rep he could get. Wanted to battle. Wanted to prove himself. This is a kid that wanted to come to Notre Dame. It just Notre Dame didn't necessarily want him early on. Yeah. And uh, here's the interesting story. Marcus Freeman, I would argue that Marcus Freeman is the reason JoJo Johnson is at Notre Dame. What? Even though he committed. Explain uh, let me explain. yourself, sir. So JoJo wanted to play wide receiver, and that's what he was pushing for. He wanted to play receiver, and that's why schools like Notre Dame weren't recruiting him because you're 5'10", you're 175 pounds, you're, you know, there's receivers just, you're, you, you know, you, you can play, right. but that's just, you know. Sure. And Cincinnati, with Marcus Freeman, was the original school that said, hey, you should focus more on, on playing corner. and Because he played a little bit of high school corner, but he was more so a receiver. Hey, we really like your – now I'm sudden 5'10", 175, and you can run, adds more value as a corner than it does as a wide receiver. Absolutely. And so they kind of convinced him that he was a defensive player. And so when he committed to Cincinnati, he committed to Marcus Freeman's defense at Cincinnati – uh, to play corner. It's really the only school at the time that was really pushing for him to play in the secondary. Well, then as team started viewing him more as a DB and he played some DB, a lot more DB as a senior at Maryville, more big schools started coming after him, including Notre Dame. So had, had Marcus Freeman not convinced him to be focused as playing defense, Wild. Notre Dame never would have looked at him as a corner and he never would have ended up at Notre Dame. Now he not only ends up at Notre Dame, but then Eventually, Marcus Freeman is now going to be his defensive coordinator. Small world, so, right? Um, it is funny how those things work, but JoJo can flat out run. He can fly. He has no clue what he's doing at corner yet. None. <laughs> um, you know, but he isn't was that just, perfect for, for – Yes. I mean, that, that's yes. special. 
because he doesn't have three, four, five years of of high school bad technique being taught that you have to deprogram right. out of. They Everything he's going to learn is going to be exactly. It's going to be brand new. He's going to be very coachable. And the thing is, he wants to be here. He knows how people view him. He knows that nobody thinks he's a Notre Dame caliber recruit. He's going to be hungry. Um, and and like I said, he wanted to be at Notre Dame. That yeah. he's one of those local kids that grew up wanting to play for Notre Dame, and you don't see those kids get that dream very often. So it was very cool to see that. But it's not just a cool story. This kid can play. Yeah. Now he is the kind of kid that you could see as that field corner that he's like. He's to me, he's a lot like Tariq Bracy. Not the biggest kid, but he can absolutely run. Great hips, great feet. Because the great feet that I loved about him at receiver are going to be even better for him at corner. He's he's got some length to him too. Even though he's five ten, he's got some length to him. Uh, but he can flat out run. He could also play some in the slot. You know, when you're going to play like a team like USC that wants to just throw the ball a million times and their air raid, he's the kind of kid you could say, you know, move him to the slot and let him match up against those slot receivers that teams are playing. And you like what you see there too. So, you know, he's he ranks low in my class now. He's 10th out of 12 in the class now for me because of what I just said, because of the fact that he is so raw as a cornerback. Like if he, if he, if he plays play tomorrow, a, you're in trouble, but well, unless fine. he picks it up quickly, sure, you know, and he's right. also not an early enrollee. I mean, you never know how quickly kids pick it up, but like based on what we see in film, he's, he is not up there, but he's much, he's just, I have him ranked just behind Philip Riley when it comes to upside. Gotcha. You know? So he's one of those kids that to me, when it's all said and done, if he if he can if he can take to the position, which we don't really know yet, athletically it's there. If he can take to the position technically, mentally, and all that, he's got a chance to far outplay his recruiting ranking. And so you add him to the class with Riley and Barnes, you say, well, that's a that's that's exactly what you need. That's that's you you met all your you met your needs. You've got two bigger, longer guys. You've got that short, fast guy. That's a really good group, but they weren't done yet. No, they weren't, and they they brought in Encino, California, Crespi cornerback Chance Tucker uh, to the class, and so he's the fourth man in this class. I mean, you could flip-flop JoJo and, and Chance, of course, three, four, whatever. Timing-wise, JoJo was fourth and That's Chance correct. was third. That right. is Rankings-wise, JoJo is third and Chance right. is fourth for me. Yeah, yeah. and so, so uh, get, give us your breakdown on Chance Tucker and what he brings to the group. I have a feeling that of all the guys I ranked in this class, that Chance is going to make me look the worst. <laughs> and I mean that in a good in a way. good way. I, I know you I mean. have him ranked 11th in the class. I have him ranked 11th in the class upside-wise. And, you know, when I first watched his film, I said he's a good player, real smart, instinctive, you know, tough kid, but just didn't blow me away with physical tools. And then I watched him again, and then I watched him again, and then because I, I don't ever just watch a guy once. Then I watch him again, and the more I watch him, the more it kind of grows on me. Okay, you know. And then I find out he, he supposedly runs a ten seven in the hundred meter dash. Well, that's really fast, but I don't see that speed showing up on film. Um, you know, and he's another guy that didn't get a chance to play as a senior. I was really looking forward to seeing what he was going to do as a senior because I had a feeling that he was going to be a guy that that could could see his ranking boost a little bit. You know, didn't have an, an overly impressive offer list. Yeah, but Washington wanted him, and when Jimmy Lake wants a DB, I kind of think, hmm. Yeah, You know, there's some schools that when they recruit a certain position, you kind of take notice, right? Jimmy Lake is pretty darn good at finding diamonds in the rough of the secondary. You, you know, sure. I mean, look at a lot of the DBs he's put in the NFL were not highly ranked guys. And so that kind of made me do a little bit of a double take. And then just the more you watch his film, the more you're like, why this kid, 
this kid is the opposite of Jojo Johnson and 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 Philip Riley in that he's fundamentally sound, he's smart, he's head, he's instinct like he just has such a feel for playing the position. Like there's times where he's running and he's a step behind the corner and or the receiver and the ball's coming and he's not and you're like he's not going to turn around, he's not going to turn around. And then at the last second he just reaches his hand up, turns around and breaks the pass up. Like his ability to read the receiver's eyes and play the receiver's eyes and then to play the receiver's hands is that's something you it's hard to teach that sure you know he just has that instinct for the position and if his 10-7 ends up translating onto the football field he's gonna be really good and that's why I say he's the kind of kid that to me when it's all said and done people are gonna be like you rank that dude 11th in that class like do do you actually get paid to do this for a living (laughs) you know you know what I mean like he just has that kind. There's just something about him that every time I rank him 11th, I'm like, man, he's going to make me look stupid, you know. You know, but uh, that's a good thing. I, I like that. But yeah. it's just I need to see it, you know, to really rank him higher. But I think the other thing too, Vince, is having Chance Tucker ranked that low says a lot about how good this defensive class is. Yeah, because there are there have been a lot of years because cornerback recruiting at Notre Dame has been a struggle. There have been many years where Chance Tucker would have been one or two. In the, in the classic corner and just a fact. So having him that low doesn't mean I don't think he can play. I think he can play. I just need to see that track speed translate onto the football field. If it does, this kid is going to blow past my rankings early. Yeah. He could yep. even be like a Clarence Lewis kind of guy that you're like, wait a minute, that guy, that guy's already on the field as a freshman. Yeah. Um, I think not playing as a senior hurt him in the, it, as far as being able to play as a freshman. He's not going to be an early enrollee either. I'm hoping that they allow the spring football because if they do allow spring football in California, my understanding is Chance is going to play, and that's okay. going to be huge for him. But he's just Vince. If you if you like guys that just know how to play football and just have that feel for playing football, Chance is a guy you're going to love, and that's why I say he kind of grew on me because when I first look at film, I'm think I'm looking for traits, tools, length, athleticism, foot quicks. I'm not really paying attention to the the instinctive part. That's what I do as I get into the later part of the film. And then the more you kind of look at the technical parts, the the way he plays the ball, the way that he jumps routes his instincts as a football player, you're like, man, I, I, I'm starting to really like this kid, you know? And, and that's why I feel like you add him to that class and that's your fourth guy. He could play field. He could play some boundary. He could even play some safety. He's another versatile guy that that he's listed at 6'1", 170, long arms. Would it shock me if he's playing safety and nickel slot kind of position? No. So he's another guy that brings a lot of versatility to this class. And and like I said, smart kid, uh, great background. Just, again, Notre Dame fit through and through. It's just I need to see that track speed translate to football speed. But – the fact that he does have the reported track speed does kind of make me think like, ooh, this light could go on for chance and he's going to end up being like, well, how did you get him? Like, how did no, how did USC not offer that kid? You know, how did, how did Oregon not offer that kid? You know, I think he could be one of those guys that you look back and say, but I was an absolute steal for Notre Dame. And, and they liked him. And here's the thing about that tells me something else too. They already had Riley and Barnes in the class when they landed Chance Tucker. Right. There were several talented cornerbacks still on the board. Sierra Wright, who's a top 100 recruit, was still on the board, and they had a chance with. The fact that Notre Dame took Chance Tucker with those guys still on the board, because at the time they were only going to take three corners. 
The fact that they took him, despite those guys being on the board and liking Notre Dame, tells me a lot about what Notre Dame thinks about Chance Tucker and what Mike Mickens thinks about Chance Tucker. They think he's a lot better than I think he is. And when you combine that with Washington wanted him and Jimmy Lake wanted him, that combination is partly why I say to myself, I have a feeling he's going to make me look bad for having him rank this low when it's all said and done. Now, Brian, the, the safety position is another position where Notre Dame really needed to kind of make a splash this year mm-hmm. uh, because of what happened again or lack of what happened in the 2020 class. So they needed at least two safeties uh, in this group, and that's exactly what they were able to nail down. Um, give me your thoughts overall and your grade as a group uh, at the safety position. I went with B minus again because I felt they needed a third safety. Okay. And, and, and I had it, I think I had it as a B. I didn't grade him as corner and safety in the in December. I, I would have originally had him as a B in Clark Lee's defense. I think this is one place where going to Marcus Freeman's defense changes the grade a little bit because it's technically a three safety defense. Ideally, that's what he wants. Now, you could say, well, with Philip Riley and, and Chance Tucker's potential guys that could move to safety, that helps, but they're not safeties right now. They're corners. So if we're just looking at these two, I love the two they got. I give them a B plus for the two they got. Okay. The B minus comes from they're still short because yeah. they didn't sign a safety last year. Derek Allen transferred from 2018. Litchfield Ajavon has been at Notre Dame for two years and has played I think one defensive snap or zero. Yeah, pretty good. Um, cool. You know, he's played a very little bit of special teams. Yeah. DJ Brown's a nice rotation player. But like after Kyle Hamilton leaves in 2021, because let's be honest, this is Kyle Hamilton's last year of college. Uh, who who are your dudes? And Houston yeah, right. could be gone after this year too. You know, maybe he comes back yeah. in 2022 and takes advantage of the COVID year. Uh, but, you know, you look at that safety position and you're thinking – the future is is questionable to say the least. Yeah, and and I love the two they got, but I just I think a third is needed. And now this is going to put a lot of emphasis on next year's class. Sure. Now here's the, here's the rub, okay? And this is where it gets a little bit tricky. If Notre Dame signs two really good safeties next year, when I do my two year grade next year, it's going to look a lot higher than it does now, because the grade is impacted by what they didn't do last year. If that makes right. sense. Because no, part absolutely. of my grade is not just about the talent. It's also about, did you meet your needs? The fit. The, the, yeah, the and, fit. and the, the, Yes. Yeah, right. right. And I love the guys I got. I think those guys fit into the defense well, but they did not meet their full needs because of the deficiencies of, of the past year. So really, in the two previous classes, they got Kyle Hamilton and, and so far, zero defensive snaps other than Kyle Hamilton. Yeah. And so now – the players, I think, can play, and I like them both. Neither of them are are Ryan Barnes caliber players. A corner, you know, they've got a chance to be good players, but they're guys that are going to need some time, and and not necessarily guys that I view as elite. Brian Smith and I have had a, a talk about Kerry G, and we'll kind of talk about him first, Vince. Yep. yep. And he's the guy that they got on. They flipped on signing day, and and they got him from LSU. Flipped him from LSU, which says a lot. They took advantage of LSU's tumultuous season to flip him. He's a guy they should have been on early. They did a poor job recruiting Kerry G early. This is a kid that that is Notre Dame through and through. He wanted to come to Notre Dame, but they didn't really recruit him very hard early on. 
which is why he went to LSU. Sure. Uh, they realized, you know, that when they struck out on some other guys, they went after him late, got him, which is great that they got him because uh, he can play. He's a big-bodied kid, 6'3". He's listed at 185. He looks a little bigger than that. Uh, he's actually a guy that I could see being a great fit in that as that third safety in, in Marcus Freeman's defense, that guy that comes down in the alley. Uh, and uh, kind of like what you were talking about, Philip Riley. Right, really right. Big. He could yeah. be that guy. Uh, he's rangy, plays the alleys well. He can cover. He can play the middle of the field. He can really do everything you want to, to do as a safety, except you don't necessarily want him coming up and covering slots and man coverage, but that's not something he's going to be asked to do. Uh, but but really like him as a player. He's actually one of my top five guys upside-wise in the class. If if the light goes on for him, he could be really good. It's okay. just there's there's a ways away between where he is now and, and, and that level, but he's a very, very rangy, long, talented football player that has a chance if, if the light goes on to be to be a top-notch guy. Very strong student, comes from a very good high school. Uh, I think he'll fit well at Notre Dame, and that's important, you know. Um, and, and so that was a big pickup, and that helped solidify the class. Because had you, here's if you had you not got Kerry G, what would have happened is you would have had to move one of your corners to safety. That would have taken away from the corner class. Sure. And so you'd you'd have had to take Philip Riley perhaps away from the corner class, and now the corner class isn't as good because you lost one of your best players and you only have three guys instead of, instead of four, that kind of thing. So getting him was, was really big, not just because he's a talented football player, but because it, it helped you. It helped you keep everybody you have. It doesn't mean somebody won't move down the road, but they're not moving because they have to, right. They're moving because you think that guy can help you there and can go start for you at safety. Let's, let's talk about uh, Justin Walters. He He's a uh, somewhat local. I mean, in, in the recruiting world, Bolingbrook, Illinois is not that far away. Uh, so from the Chicagoland area, but Bolingbrook, Illinois High School, uh, safety Justin Walters and uh, what his fit would look like with Notre Dame. I mean, is it any different than like Ohio State getting a kid from Cincinnati or Columbus, right? Exactly. I mean, exactly. geographically, it's very similar in that yes. regard. So, Good call. Yeah, so it, it, look, Justin Walters is a guy that I think Two things hurt him from a recruiting ranking standpoint. Number one is he committed to Notre Dame so early. He committed about a year ago. Okay. Uh, and number two is everything getting canceled. He was not able to go to camps. And then sh- Illinois still isn't allowing high school football still. Um, yeah, and so, spring ball, but I don't know what the situation th- is. Th- right now, they're not letting him do it. Right now, really? it looks like the governor's not going to let him play. And there's starting really? to be a movement in the state where of even college players like Peter Skaronsky and some other guys are doing this kind of this let him play movement because the governor's now saying, you know, I don't want to turn this into a political conversation. So anyway, um, not getting to play as a senior <laughs> hurt him in regards to being able to go show some improvements as a player. And so when, when I watch him play, I see a guy that has a lot of tools that you like as a, as a modern day safety. He can fly down the alleys. He can hit. I mean, he's listed at like 175. He looks bigger than that. He's a ripped up kid. He is on the slender side, but he's a strong, you know, if he is 175, he's a strong 175. I'd be willing to bet you he's going to be closer to 185 uh, by the time he's at Notre Dame. And he's a guy that could be 195 when it's all said and done, 6'1", 195. Powerful kid, rangy kid, covers a lot of ground. Uh, instinctive in coverage, too. Yeah. I, I think when you look at him, he does – more so zone. He doesn't play a ton of man. At least I haven't seen him play a ton of man. But he does a great job picking up crossers and drags. Like he sees them early. He takes good angles. He's constantly beating them to the point of the ball. So basically, 
you know, if a, if a receiver's kind of running a drag route and the safety's right. over here, the ball's coming. You want to beat the receiver to the ball, right? And he does that so well. You don't do that well if you need two things to do that well. Number one, you got to be an intelligent football player, and he shows that. Number two, you kind of have some closing speed, some quickness, right. some ability to plant and change speed quickly, and he shows that. So there's a lot that I like about Justin Walters. I just wish we would have had a chance to see him play as a senior. Because, again, he's another guy whose grade is hindered. Same with Chance Tucker. Same with Jason Onye. Guys whose grades are hindered because we don't have senior film to evaluate them on. So, But just based on junior film, I like what I see from him. I like what I saw from Chance Tucker. I, I just wish we would have had a chance to see that next step for him. But if he takes the step that I think he's capable of, this is a kid that could help you early. Okay, Maybe not as a freshman early, but if he had to play as a freshman – he wouldn't embarrass himself. You know what I mean? Like, and he's a guy that that when I look at Justin Walters, I say this about him. At the very least, he's a three-year starter on special teams. At okay. the very least. Okay. And at at best, he's a three-year starter at safety. You know, and, and so because he could be one of those five-year guys at safety, which are rare. You don't see him much, but because he needs the development physically, he missed his senior year. I could see a scenario where a fifth year might be good for him. Gotcha. And and that's going to change some things with a lot of these kids not playing their senior years. They missed a whole year of, of football development. So yeah. yeah, he's a guy that I really like. He's another guy that I look at and say, I think he's going to have a chance to outplay where I have him ranked. But I can't, I can't, I can't guess that. Sure. Right? Like yeah, I can right. only evaluate what I've seen. And and but the, part of the reason I really like this class is because there are a lot of guys that I had a feeling Chance Tucker was a guy that I thought. I have a feeling Chance as a senior is going to go out and just really make that jump as a player. But then we didn't get a chance to see it. Jason Onye, to me, would have been that guy. Um, Justin Walters would have been that guy. You know, those guys that that you watch him say, you know, you look what Prince Colley did is getting to play as a senior. He got to play as a senior. Lorenzo Styles, I liked Lorenzo as a junior. As a senior, I loved Lorenzo. You know, you saw Kane Barong take a big jump. Blake Fisher went from a, a top 100 guy, in my view, to a top 50 guy, borderline five-star guy, in my view, because of what he did as a senior. Right. A lot of these guys didn't get a chance to do that, and that's why I think even though the grades may not look great now, I have a lot of B-minuses you know, in this, partly because of numbers, but the upside of this group is going to be so much better. They have a chance that they're – that's why I say if, if things go well, this class has a chance to far outplay their actual recruiting rankings. It, there's a lot of upside in this group, a lot of talent in this group. There's a lot to like about this group, but I also have to, as an evaluator, have to be somewhat cautious with my grades, and I'm not just heaping if everyone pans out grades on people. And, and so that's why some of these grades may seem a little bit lower than my excitement level for the position. Sure. Yeah, right. Because there's because there, there's a longer road to haul for some of these guys. But if they get there, this class has a chance to be very, very good on defense. Yeah, there, there's some guys in this class that I really like, and I and I think, I think Marcus Freeman is just going to take some of these guys and really mold them, mm -hmm. uh, him and his staff, of course, but just mold them into being really, really good players mm -hmm. for Notre Dame. And 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 look, I, I hope uh, I hope you're right. I hope some of these guys do prove you wrong. 
I mean, that that's that's what we want. I just hope it's guys like Chance Tucker and Justin Walters, not guys like Gabriel Rubio and Prince Kali. Right, right. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like Ryan Barnes. Like you always want to be proven wrong when it's the guys you don't way. think are great players, you know? Right. So everyone from five on down, if those guys prove me wrong, then that's going to be great for Notre Dame. But um, but that's also why I created the upstart upside grades, Vince, because I think there, there needs to be a way to differentiate between what a guy is, those ready-made today players, those sure. guys like Gabriel Rubio who can play right now, and those guys that you know maybe this guy doesn't play early on, but if he pans out, because remember, we had a very similar conversation about Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa that we're having about a lot of these other guys now, which is you know, he he's going to need some time, but man, I love the athleticism, I love the range. Sure. I gave him a four and a half star upside grade, which means that of a top fifty player. Well, guess what? Yeah. He ended it. up being that. Yeah, you know, yeah, even better than that, really. I mean, if you think about it, I should have yeah. given First him a five star upside. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but, but that's the difference. Like there's that kind of linebacker. And then there's the Jalen Smith, Manti Teo. The difference between Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa and and Jalen Smith is Jalen was ready to be a star day one. Jeremiah was not, he needed the development to become that player. Right. That's what I tell people. That's the difference between to me, a five-star and a high upside three to four star guy. Now I gave Jeremiah Wusu Kormo a four star grade because again you see the talent, but that's what people have to understand is great players come in all different shapes, sizes, and recruiting rankings, and the five star guys tend to be the guys that are just obvious. Of course, that guy's going to be great, and the 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 guys like Prince Collie, the the guys like Ryan Barnes, some of those guys that maybe don't get the high rankings, although Prince Collie is now finally, but he wasn't as a junior. Right, and he uh, would if he missed his senior year. Exactly, he'd be considered a three-star recruit right now by people. Right, so that's my point: is you have to you have to have a, a a a when you're evaluating recruiting, and I encourage everyone to be this way. I've had to become this way as I've done this for as long as I have. Is you have to you have to be more open-minded to the different types of impact players. And you hear so many they need more five-star players on the field. Well, Alabama had like four five-star linebackers on their roster. Did any Were any of them better than Jeremiah Wusukoromo, who's a three-star? No, they weren't. It's about finding guys with the high ceilings. And that's what I think the Notre Dame staff has done a really good job of in recent years, is finding those guys that have the top 100 ceilings. Even if they're not there right away, and some of them aren't going to pan out, it's the guys that you can't teach length, you can't teach speed, you can't teach, teach flexibility, you can't teach, you know, a guy has loose hips or not. You know, those are things you look for. Maybe this guy needs technical work or he needs to put on some weight or he needs to do this, but we love the tools. And that's why I think hiring guys that come from Wake Forest, Cincinnati can be great because they can't go out and get the five-star player. Now, what I'd like to see them do moving forward is combine the two, is continue getting those high upside guys. But when you can get a stud, go get that stud. Yeah. When you can get a Kyle Hamilton, go get Kyle Hamilton. When you can get Tyson Ford, go get Tyson Ford. I think if they can combine those two things, and it looks like Marcus Freeman's starting to do that. He's going after some big fish. And if you can combine those two things, I think that's the thing that Notre Dame will allow Notre Dame on defense to kind of take that next step as a program to where they can go from being a top 10 defense to a top three defense. And I think there is that potential there because they're already a top 10 defense, and I would argue borderline top five defense the last three years. But there is still another level sure. that I think they can get to, and I think that last piece is going to be landing more of the Kyle Hamiltons, more of the Jalen Smiths, more of the Stephon Tuits, and that'll be the key. 
All right. Well, that's going to do it for our breakdown of the defensive uh, side of the football for the 2021 recruiting class. Uh, we will have, obviously, our breakdown of the offense as well uh, in another podcast. So make sure you check that out. So make sure you subscribe to our podcast uh, wherever you get your podcast, And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel as well because, uh, well, we've got some good stuff over there too. And, and of course, of course. Don't forget right there. You can see it scrolling. Irishbreakdown.com. That is where you can find all of Brian's written content about this recruiting class and the grades and all that. So uh, stay locked in in all three different ways because we're bringing bringing the heat as we always do. So um, until, uh, until next time on the Irish Breakdown podcast, that's Brian Driscoll. He's over there. I'm Vince Sidario, and uh, we will talk to you next time. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com